This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. A great hand reached out of the dark and grasped mine for a moment, mightily and tenderly. I said to myself, the veil between, though very dark, is very thin. Hello, and welcome to The Thin Place, the Film Geek radio podcast devoted to discussions of religion, faith, and spirituality in film. Your hosts for this episode are Todd Truffin, that's me, and Ken Moorfield. That must be me. Must be. This is episode number 16 for April 2012. Our topic for this episode is Love, Free, or Die, the 2012 documentary by film director Mackie Alston. This episode is not a spoiler-free discussion. If you have not yet seen the film and do not want plot spoilers, now would be a good time to check out one of the other great podcasts on Film Geek Radio. Well, Ken, you brought this film to my attention, and so why don't you bring it to everyone else's? Okay. <laughs> uh, before I get into a, a quick summary, I should say that I was also able to, as well as screening the film at the Full Frame Documentary Film Festival, uh, interview director Mackie Alston and retired Bishop Otis Charles at the film festival. So I'd like to thank Reveal pictures for making them available for interviews and certainly thank Mackie and and uh, the right reverend for sitting down with me absolutely the love free or die is a documentary profile of gene robinson who is given the descriptive title of the first openly gay partnered partnered <laughs> living in an open gay relationship uh, bishop in at some point, they say the Episcopal Church. At other points, I think they say all of Christendom. So it starts with him at the controversy surrounding him at the Lambeth Conference in, I believe, 2008. It might have been 2007, uh, where the Lambeth Conference is an annual conference of Episcopal bishops. Uh, every 10 years. Every 10 years. And he was not invited. He was asked by the... Archbishop to stay away. And it culminates with a vote of the Episcopal Church of America on whether or not to continue to accept the ordination of gay and lesbian bishops and also a vote as to whether or not the church will bless same sex unions. Yes. Or in states where it is legal. In states where it is legal. And the, the, both of those are, you know, get the yes votes. So that's roughly what the film is about. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about the film is trying to identify what it's about, not just in terms of subject matter, but what it's about, i.e. Right. what is it doing. <laughs> there are parts of me that think that it is a, an argumentative persuasive piece about this is why gays and lesbians should be ordained as priests. Uh, there's another part of me that says it's just the personal profile. Here is this man who is a public figure and of interest, and uh, let's get an opportunity to profile mm -hmm. him. And then there's another part of me that says it is a documentary in the sense of let us document this historical event. Um, 
whatever you feel about homosexuality, it is a newsworthy event that mm-hmm. this church met every 10 years and the church in America met and voted and made these changes to, to church policy. And so therefore it is right that we should go and film these proceedings as sort of a historical document of what happened. I guess I could weasel out and say ultimately it's all three or a little bit of all three. Um, but I was trying to decide whether or not that's the filmmaker's intent that it all be all three, whether it's one more than the other. And that's kind of a place where I'd like to start. You know, okay. uh, what was your experience of the film in terms of which of those did you think it was doing? Well, I, I should probably reveal um, that I myself have attended Episcopal churches for the last 10 years. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not an officially received member, but, you know, this is, in, in a sense, it was a story about the church body I've chosen to be mm-hmm. a part of. And then some of the events, I mean, I, the vote that they were discussing in the film, I, I watched online as it happened. Um, and, you know, all of the, the testimony and all that kind of stuff. Watching it and then being a member of this church that's in the middle of all of this discussion, I think I, I told Ken, I, I found it very frustrating. And I was trying to decide why I was frustrated. You know, what was creating this feeling of frustration in me? Was it that the filmmaker was somehow failing to present a, a fair picture? Was it that they were making an argument? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have wanted something different. Or was my frustration because it was documenting what is a very frustrating situation? Mm-hmm. So was your um, frustration at the film, or was your frustration at, at the Episcopal Church, right. and, and, and it kind of you know being put back into this? Mm-hmm. And I say back, back. It, you know, the the reality is, is in the day to day life of the churches I've been involved with, this issue matters not at all. They're they're it just it has, it has had no impact on the you know, little country churches I've been going to. And so when it then turns into, oh, you have to think about this, that there's also some frustration there. Um, and in the end, I, I'm coming around to the idea that it's frustrating to me because it's a, it's an accurate document. Mm. Um, it, it is accurately depicting what is happening. Um, and so in terms of your, you know, this question, I, I think in some, you know, whatever else it may be, I do think it is accurately representing the case, the situation of the church at this time in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and for that, I, I give it high praise because it, it's a hard thing to do well. And what is it about the situation that frustrates you <laughs> yeah, in, in a minute or less? In right? a minute or you less. Know, but I, I well, mean, people could hear that and say, well, I'm frustrated that gay bishops are being ordained right. or I'm frustrated that... Um, the thing that frustrates me the most is that I I do not feel that, at least to the layman, man on the street, neither side, the, the pro-gay side, the anti-gay side, neither side has been able to elucidate a position that is, you know, dealing with some of the core theological questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of yelling, there's lots of finger pointing, there's lots of name calling. Um, there's lots of puffing up and, you know, kind of being self-important about my position. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there, there's very little, you know, that has been at least communicated to the masses, 
um, you know, questions about the theological questions. And, and to me, that, that, that means that we're just, we're, you know, either in some cases it means the two sides are talking past each other. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they are assuming arguments that have, that, that certain arguments have been made when in fact they haven't been made. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the, the conservative side is saying, no, the Bible says these things about homosexuality and that's it. And they're not dealing with, well, certainly the way that they've treated homosexuals. Mm -hmm. You know, that, you know, that side, you know, the pro-gay side is saying, hey, this is a justice issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they are certainly right about, you know, they've been treated horribly. But there's never really any real discussion about the theology. Right. Um, and so that's my frustration, is I would like, you know, rather than the discussion that's being had, I would like to see a discussion of, well, let's talk about the key issue. Here. Right. There, there is, I mean, this is certainly not exclusive to Episcopals. You know, Christians do it right. It's not exclusive to the gay issue. Uh, but there is a tendency, I think, that the film accurately portrays of starting with the end decision. Right. And retrofitting one's understanding of Scripture or the Bible or the position to it to say, I feel instinctively or I believe, you know, instinctively that this is the right thing to do. And so then let me go back and, you know, articulate a position or an argument that is consistent with right. that, as opposed to what I'm more used to or what I've sort of been trained to think is the right thing for Christians to do, which is let me develop a belief system or a systematic theology about the Bible that will inform my decisions mm -hmm. about individual things. And I'm not necessarily saying that you'll come up with different answers. I'm just saying that there is something that makes me slightly uncomfortable about putting all the emphasis on the end decision and then constructing an argument from Scripture right. around that versus saying, here's what I believe and let, here's how it informs my practice as far as this particular issue. Well, both you and I are products of the university Christian fellowship kind of college ministry thing. And, and one of their big things has always been the induct, what they call the inductive, inductive Bible right. study method, where you don't start with what you believe. Mm -hmm. You start with the scripture, mm -hmm. you know, you start with the text and then move from there and, and try as best as you can to not bring your personal, you know, your preconceived ideas. Right. And I think that's what, I think what, what you're talking about is precisely that sort of thing. And I, I feel that uncomfortableness too. Now, I want to be quick to add to that because people, you know, I'm sort of listening, yeah. the double consciousness, <laughs> I'm listening to myself as I say, and I think a lot of people could immediately say, okay, that's conservative coded word for the Bible plainly says. And right. one of my frustrations about this issue is the way that one side of a debate has co-opted the plain meaning of Scripture. And I always tell my students, you know, there's nothing plain about Scripture, you know. <laughs> uh, there's nothing clear about Scripture. And generally, in my experience, the more insistent the people I'm talking to are about, well, Scripture plainly says or clearly says, right. that's the other one, the more complicated I think that it actually is. So I don't necessarily... Right say that with the assumption that if one starts with Scripture, they'll end up at a particular place. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of my frustrations with the gay issue is that, in Scripture, is that it is not as easy for me to explain away or dismiss certain Scriptures 
what the gay community likes to call clobber verses in a way that I'm entirely, you know, in a way that I'm entirely comfortable with. But I'm also not comfortable with the implications of those verses being consistent with the rest of the Bible as I understand it. Right. Um, my training has always been that if something's not clear in the Bible, you use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And, and I think part of the problem then is is that the, a lot of the passages of gay about homosexuality are not clear to me. And then I interpret it through other Scripture that is clear to me. That says, love thy neighbor, uh, examine thyself, search me, O God, mm-hmm. and see if there be any wicked way in me. In me. In yeah. me. And, and the, you know, then when I interpret those gay lesbian passages or passages about homosexuality through the filter of what is clear to me about Scripture, I say, okay, that conservative attitude of hate and intolerance and non-inclusion is wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's not the same thing as saying well the bible says that it's okay right you know? so i you know i, I just want to be quick to say sure. when, I, when i talk about starting inductively rather than starting with what the position is that's not a code word for saying well you know if you start with the bible you yeah. automatically get one yeah. answer well and it also points out one of the difficulties and you mentioned earlier in not just this issue but with several other issues and, and certainly you know in the episcopal church it wasn't that long ago historically when there was the big question about women right and whether women could be priests and that sort of thing and it i find it interesting just how often various issues become merged in certain Mm -hmm. ways or conflated for certain things Um, for the longest time i know that the the question about women in in ministry very often gets conflated with the gay and lesbian issue Mm -hmm. Um, that you know somehow if we ordain women that means we're that's also ordaining homosexuals Mm -hmm. and it's like whoa and and even if the folks that don't say that that plainly, mm-hmm. um, it it it, it you know, becomes clear when you start discussing things. Right. And and I think that's one of the difficulties. Right. Um, certainly in this issue, we do have these issues not just of the question about homosexual persons and homosexual practice, but then there's the question of the response to homosexual people by non-homosexuals that has been pretty negative. Yeah, well, yeah. and and to be fair, and the film props about this because yes. I'm gonna come back and 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 actually address this when we talk about the film as film, um, in the way that straight people are sometimes treated and thought about yeah. by homosexuals. One of my frustrations with the the issue is that I think there is a social justice issue, and I think there is a theological issue, and they get conflated. Yeah. Um, as well as interviewing Mackie Alston and, and the retired Bishop Otis Charles, I had an email exchange. I didn't get to interview face-to-face with uh, the Bishop Ed Little, who is portrayed in the film as being one of the bishops who voted against right. the ordination. And I had just emailed him to say, you know, does the film accurately portray you? Were you, you know, satisfied with the way that it was portrayed? And, and he had said in, in his email that it is an unfortunate thing that, I mean, there are some people in the Episcopal Church who, if you are against the ordination of gays and lesbians or against blessing same-sex unions, then you're against social justice. Right. And you're against, and you're against, you're a homophobe. You're, that automatically makes you a homophobe. And I, I think one of the, the things that's very successful about this film 
is that relative to other pro-gay films that I have seen, I, I think I've seen more of them than you have just because I've been yeah. you know, reviewing films a lot longer, but you know, one gets used to a certain kind of rhythm and a certain kind of beat in the gay documentary, whether we're talking about Stonewall Uprising or uh, Making the Boys or, you know, some of these gay his outlay that, you know, documenting the gay experience, that they tend to be very rigid and they tend to sometimes, I think, cherry pick the most extreme examples of intolerance in order to convey the emotional truth of what it's like to be hated because mm -hmm. you're gay and lesbian. And and I understand that, and I get to where that's coming from. Um, I thought this film did a slightly better job of, of really, in a sense, portraying a full range amongst straight people. You do get some people like Rick Warren who stand in for this is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you do get the protesters outside the the collection of where the vote is taking place with the signs that say God still takes, you know, hates fags. But then you get the woman who is weeping, you know, right. and saying, pastorally, this is a no brainer, but I just, I can't bring myself to it. You get the Ed Littles who say, you know, Eugene, Eugene Robinson is a brother in Christ, but as a point of theological interpretation, I, I, I don't buy that and I can't support that. But it also falls a little bit into well, the title is Love, Free, or Die. I mean, I think it falls into that trap of conflating the social justice part of it with the theological part of it. Because for me personally, the social justice issue, the pastoral issue, is a no-brainer. We don't live in a the theocracy. It's mm -hmm. about rights, not privileges. Uh, there's absolutely no reason I can think of why the state shouldn't sanction gay marriages. But then... That doesn't necessarily equate to you're equipped to be a bishop. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't equate to the church has to do these things. Right, the church has to do these things because the church is is not the yeah. state. Just uh, step back just a moment. Yeah. Um, you had asked. You said you asked Bishop Little um, how he felt about his portrayal. Yes. Um, I'm just curious. Was he overall pleased with how yes. he was presented? Okay. Yes, he said that. Uh, he said he felt the film was accurate to the events of the 2009 vote and that Kay Alston interviewed him for about a half hour and he felt like it was fair in presenting what he said okay. and in the spirit mm -hmm. of, you know, what he said. And he actually said that he was, he was somewhat grateful that, because uh, he said there are people in the church that present you as a homophobe or against social justice, but the film did not do that. Right. And he was grateful that the good, film did good. not do that. Yeah. I just, you know, since we, we you just, right. we had Thanks that connection. Thanks for clarifying that. that was, I, you know, that was there. Um, well, and, I, and I'm also, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's interesting that you, you talk about some of these other, you know, gay documentaries uh, or documentaries about the gay experience. Right. Or even films and, about the gay films. experience like Brokeback Mountain right. and The Single Man. And because milk, certainly, you know, you had said that to me before I, I saw the film and, and I found myself, being somewhat less sanguine about the depiction of the straight folks. Right. Um, and and, and it, I was trying to figure out why. And then as you were talking there, it kind of hit me that the, the only kind of, you know, your Bishop Little, uh, I forget the name of the, the, the woman bush, Bishop who was just weeping. And, and I, mm -hmm. I, she was the one person, yeah, I, I, like, I could really identify with right. that, that position. Um, but it hit me that, they were bishops, mm. whereas what we saw, the, the most extreme, you know, negative straight responses 
were, I mean, yeah, Rick Warren is a pastor, mm-hmm. so he's kind of in that clergy echelon. But it was all the others. It was you know lay people. We didn't really mm-hmm. see any lay people that were wrestling. And I, and I wonder if, and if for me, and, and again, and I, I think you may, you bring a good perspective here of in the context of other gay documentaries. Mm-hmm. This, this, but I think that might be what is was striking me a little bit was you know yes we saw a spectrum. But within the kind of normal lay people, there was there was not a spectrum, and and I know within the Episcopal Church, one of the tensions has been that there's a feeling that the you know the pro gay things have been very much pushed by the upper echelons mm-hmm. and the clergy, and not by the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know that the documentary doesn't deal with that, and I'm not sure that it should have. Well, but, I guess I disagree slightly in the sense of. I mean, I, I think that amongst the lay people, you don't get conflict. You don't get internally, right. like, I am divided about this. But I think you both get lay people who are like, this is not an issue. I accept, you know, mm-hmm. gays and lesbians, like the, the, the woman from Africa who's at the age shelter who says... That's true. Well, they ask her, you know, is he a Christian or whatever? And she's like, God didn't give me HIV, man gave me HIV. And, well, what do you call a person who comes and visits the sick and right. feeds the poor, you, you know, no, yeah, feeds that's a, the poor. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, you do get the guy with the motorcycle helmet who stands up in the church service and calls him a heretic and mm-hmm. is, uh, you, you know, ushered out. But you also get the rest of the congregation who is sitting in the church and singing mm-hmm. over him while he's shouting that. And, that's fair. You know, okay. putting themselves in. And so, I, I mean, I I think because the documentary is about the bishop's vote, you get more of the bishops. Right. But you do get some of, you know, you get Gene Robinson's daughters, which, again, it's his daughters. Right. You, you know, <laughs> but you do get, you know, some of his interactions with um, places that he visits and places that he preaches and, and being in the room and being in yeah. New Hampshire. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, I, I'm corrected. Now, what the interesting thing is, what I find very telling about that is that I think, I mean, I think you get a range. You get the lay people who are outside protesting and say, saying yeah. that it's in there. Um, but it's interesting that the bishops seem to be conflicted, feel this this tension between what the one woman calls the pastoral and the theological. Right. And the laity don't seem to have that because maybe it's not up to them to decide. It's just up to them to be obedient to whatever authority tells them or whatever God tells right. God Well, tells and them. it's, and, and this is where, I don't know how deep you want to get into church polity in the Episcopal church. Um, it's, it is interesting because the general convention, which mm-hmm. is the, uh, every three years, the Episcopal church USA comes together. All of, you know, the, na- the national church comes together and has business and decides mm-hmm. these things. There are representatives from the lay people. There, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's actually modeled very much like the United States Congress is modeled. There, there are two houses, house of bishops, house of commons, I think, or whatever the, the lay people and they, and both houses have to vote. Okay. Um, so there is representation. And we see that in the film, right? Where right. she announces the vote of the laity. And, and the lady and then the clergy. And even in the vote, right, it's roughly equivalent. It's right. roughly about two and a half or three to one yeah. in both houses. Right. It isn't like one votes for the and, you know, against. And, 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 an inter- you know, and this might be a side thing, but just, you know, interestingly to me anyways, uh, the, you know, the system is very, was, the Episcopal Church governance was very much modeled on the United States government. I mean, they were formed 
the revolution. And I think some of the tension, conflict, and whatnot that is felt in the church is what we kind of feel in the nation, where, yeah, we've got all, we, we elect these representatives to go represent us, and then we're not happy with what the rep- representation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that kind of feel, that, that tension between representative government and a direct democracy. Um, okay. And that I think might be going on, but that's that it might be getting us off track. Right. So let me ask you, you know, drawing it back to the film, I, what I hear us saying is it's more of a document or a documentary mm-hmm. of this time than an argument. And I think there are parts of then the document that it does well, and I appreciate showing the range of experiences, right. not demonizing the the opponents. Um. There is still a part of me, though, you know, if I have a reservation about the film or I have a frustration about the film, it's that it it, it still seems to me then, perhaps because that's where the Episcopal Church is right now, of dealing only, um, well, I'm not sure if I want to say primarily or if I want to say only, but I, I think I'm tempted to say only, dealing only with it as a theological issue, mm-hmm. or I mean, I'm sorry, only as a social justice issue, and not as a theological issue. And maybe it's not the responsibility or it's too much to ask of the film to say, okay, solve this problem, walk us <laughs> through scripture, answer these questions. Yet there was a part of me that felt like, and, and my entry point into this argument, as I had mentioned to you, that I've actually found myself more disturbed in watching the film that Gene Robinson was divorced mm-hmm. than that he was gay. Um, because his partner is talking about, well, one of the things that attracted me was the way that he dealt with his daughters. I was like, well, well, so wait a minute. And, and again, maybe that you're allowed to be married in the Episcopal church. And again, I don't want to demonize divorced people and right. say, well, they're all going to hell or that's all. But then that brought me around to the question of, well, is it okay to make any restrictions on a bishop? I mean, to say that whether or not this is sinful or to whether or not this is a social justice issue, whether or not you're allowed to get married um, or it's okay to get married is a very different thing, or whether you're allowed to get married in the civil court, is a very different thing than saying it's okay for you to be a bishop. Right. And, and I think the film largely sidesteps that. And, you know, I, I don't know anything about his marriage or why he got divorced or who divorced it, but I know my own feelings about marriage. It's when you get married, you make a vow that says, Till death till death, part. Until death do us part. Um, and certainly there may be the other person can leave or, or whatnot. But then if that's the orientation that you had towards your vow, towards your marriage of, well, I was lying to myself and this is true or I have to do that, then it's hard for me to... That just makes not wonder, well, what are the implications of that towards your vow of I'm going to faithfully maintain the office of, of bishop or, or yeah. what does that mean? Well, and I think, you know, that... But is it fair to ask the film to do that, I guess, right. is the question that I'm asking. And and I think this is where some of my frustration watching the film and, and why I think I'm coming around to the idea that it's, a, it's somewhat of a document mm-hmm. is that that's my frustration with the entire conversation in the church. Mm-hmm is that I don't think that theological question, you know, that many theological questions are being really talked about. Yeah. And should this film have answered those questions? I don't know. Um, Well, I I guess maybe what I'm starting to feel is like, it's not on Mackie Alston, the director, to answer that question and present it, because I'm just documenting that. 
But it's making me feel like, well, maybe I am, it's up to Gene Robinson. And the reason I say that is because Gene Robinson, yeah, he's preaching a social justice message, which is to say, you know, hate is incompatible with right. the gospel. But he also stands up in his office of bishop and says, the church is wrong. The church, the synagogue, the mosque has gotten this wrong. The church has been right. wrong before and it is wrong now. And it seems to me if you're going to make that statement, then it is on you a little bit. It is yeah. fair for me to come through and say, okay, you're not just making a social justice argument. You're not just saying, you know, we have the same rights as citizens or to be included in the church. You know, you're saying that the church policy about who to be a bishop is wrong. And I think then you do need to make theological argument or that there's a difference between saying, we need to be accepted into the church. We need to be included in the church. We need to be allowed to get married. And it's okay to make bishops because I don't know a whole lot about the Episcopal Church. But it's like, or if you really do believe that, then why are you an Episcopalian? Why in the sense is, is that isn't there something about a high church order that says the corporate wisdom of other people is a guard against my own possibility of being wrong? Because there's plenty of things that, I think my job, my office, my church is wrong about, but I submit to them because I'm I'm not in an authority position. Sure. Um, or if I don't, you know, if I get to the place where I'm like, I, I really can't submit to that person's authority, then because they're wrong about this, that entitles me to the freedom to go out and have my own church. But does it entitle me to stay in this job or this office and go against the larger, you know, the larger whole. And and in some sense... the I shouldn't even say the larger whole, because, of course, the yeah. larger whole of the Episcopal Church of America voted in his favor. Right. But. Well, and, but, you know, an interesting part of the story that the film does touch on mm -hmm. um, is that, you know, the Diocese of Pittsburgh um, did break away. They did say, no, we cannot, we cannot be under... And, and it was the oh. Bishop of Pittsburgh, because there, there have been churches, and, like, I just... Um, I moved from Ohio just recently. In Ohio, there were nine churches, at least, in the Diocese of Ohio mm -hmm. that that kind of did what you said. They said, well, we can no longer be under your authority. Mm -hmm. And they, they pulled out. Right. Um, and it was almost the entire Diocese of Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. um, or at least the bishop, right. essentially did the same thing. And, that, and that's been going on all over the country, and, and that's part of why it's such a big issue. And the Archbishop at Canterbury, from the other direction, you know, answers the question about, well, if I go out on a cross, it's sacrifice, and if you put me out there, it's murder. Well, he says, you know, we're looking for... Agreement, yeah. You know, we're not looking for coercion, because, you know, you're right, it's not the same thing, but that's not either, you know, it's it's sort of, sort of saying, well, okay, in some sense it's saying, I'm not, I'm never going to submit to your authority if I disagree with it means then that the subordinate, you know, bishop as opposed to archbishop, is saying, ultimately, I'm not looking for consent or working towards consent. It's when push comes to shove, I will coerce you. I'll put you in a position where you either have to accept me right. or you have to reject me, you know. And um, and, and it is. It, it's, it, you know, the issue, I mean, there is the issue itself of the gay bishops. There is the a, another issue about what does it mean to be part of the global Anglican Church, mm -hmm. um, and 
Yeah, I think yeah that that's a that's a totally separate, in some sense, issue. Right. Um, of you know what does it mean if the Episcopal Church of the United States of America wants <coughs> to go this direction, but every other major national branch of the union, the mm-hmm. the Anglican Union, mm-hmm. says uh, no. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? What does it mean to be in an Episcopal church as opposed to a Congregationalist church? And I know what, what, it, what it's meant for some churches in the United States is they've said, we're no longer going to be under the authority of the Bishop of the United States. Mm-hmm. And they've actually put themselves under the authority of a Bishop from another country mm-hmm. um, as a mission. Right. Um, and, you know, which, which I find very odd. Um, yes. <laughs> but that's, that's a, you know, that's one of the big, you know, larger kind of what does it mean to be a church mm-hmm. questions that this raises. I'm going back to is it fair to call on the film to, to make that argument? Uh, one of the questions I didn't get to ask Mackie uh, Alston, but that, you know, was in the film is, you know, someone at one point says to, I, I don't remember if it's Gene Robinson or if it's one of the other people, well, which is more important this perceived social justice issue or the integrity of the church. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's going back to the fairness of the range of responses or, you know, Ed Little's response is I think that in terms of the larger division or the schism of the church, I'm actually a little bit more sympathetic to the people who uh, may be, you know, breaking off or the schism or are concerned about like, well, I can work through questions of gays or non-gays, but any question that I work through, whether it's about gays, whether it's about women, needs to be in this agreed-upon structure mm-hmm. of how we do things, or otherwise, what are we? How can we work through you know any issue? Now, part of that's just me and my personality as a person, not just as a Christian, right. is I'm a very big process person. The integrity of the mm-hmm. process matters. And so even though I'm very sympathetic to the gay bishops, there is still that part of me that says, when you cut corners or go, you know, change the process in order to get the result that you want, be very wary of the law of unintended consequences, because it's that famous line in Man for All Seasons, where more son-in-law says, I cut down every tree in the forest to get at the devil. And he says, really? And then when the winds shifted... Where would you get your protection? Right. You know, could you really stand in the winds that blow? And it, there's a part of me in a very abstract way, which I realize talking abstractions is is not very palatable to people who are suffering right now, but in a very abstract way are saying, yeah, in the short term, this is a victory for you and may make you feel better. Now, I'm wondering in the long terms whether this is going to hurt you. Yeah. As much as what you would have had to have borne if you had gone about making your argument in a different way. Sure. Um, sure. You know, pursuing it. I, I wanted to say, I guess, two things. Um, trying to wrap this towards a close. Normally, we don't review movies that aren't out yet. This is still on the festival circuit. One of the reasons why it came to full frame uh, and that I would thought it was important to talk about it is because North Carolina, where we both live has a constitutional amendment on the ballot for May 8th, dealing with constitutionally defining marriage as 
uh, one man and one woman. And so, you know, I think we wanted to, or I definitely wanted to talk about the film because it's very topical getting ready sure. for that amendment. Uh, obviously, it's about the film and not about the amendment, but I want to use the the megaphone of the film for any of our listeners or the podcast, if any of our listeners are in North Carolina. I, I really encourage you to look very carefully at some of the uh, debates surrounding this bill. I will try to put some links on the podcast. There are Republicans and Democrats both in North Carolina who agree this is a bad bill and this is a bad amendment. And there's even been discussion that I've heard of most of the people, you know, on the Republican side who say if it passes, it will be overturned in 20 years and the ultimate cost that within the next 20 years and the ultimate cost are uh, that it's going to have all sorts of repercussions, that law right. of unintended consequences. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to put a, an ad out there for can't talk in depth about the amendment because we're not a politics podcast. But if we do have North Carolina listeners, I, you know, I encourage you to look at some of the links on the website about, you know, just information. And, and I would encourage people to vote no on, uh, I think it's Amendment 1. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you wanted to I, I Part of it, I just mentioned, I just recently moved to North Carolina from Ohio. And in Ohio, um, a, a similar amendment was passed. And one of the, you know, regardless of one's position on gay marriage, one of the things that was very troubling about that amendment was the way it was written. Mm-hmm. And it, it was rushed to get onto the, onto the ballot. And uh, there was a lot of thought that did not go into the wording. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's an open question right now about some of, some of those un, unintended consequences. But, you know, there's already been any number of lawyers who have looked at it and have said, well, here are some things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Just with, you know, and so regardless of the the your feelings on the core issue um the the wording is very important right and and if it's a bad bill it's a bad bill right and and so that's yeah just i i've seen something like this happen already and 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 it's going to have you know far-reaching consequences that you know people like to say well that's not what we meant and people know what we mean and it's Mm -hmm. like well but that's not how the law works And, And and this is unpopular in some circles that I travel in, uh, to say, but as as a Christian, I can accept that there are you know people of good faith on both sides can interpret issues in, in different ways. As far as the social justice issue goes, we do not live in a theocracy, and what we're talking about here is not theology. I'm I'm somewhat skeptical to the theological arguments because. Again, how does that pertain to me? The idea that my marriage or the institution of marriage is somehow demeaned or the word of marriage is somehow demeaned, I just don't get. I don't find persuasive. But laying that aside and saying, you know, charitably, I can agree to disagree with some people. When you start getting into legislation, that's not about theology, but is about taking away or limiting people's rights as citizens. I think that's very dangerous because I shocked some students about a year or two ago and they were doing an argument and persuasion <laughs> unit on, on gay marriage and they asked me what I think and I said, well, you know, I think gay marriage should be legal. And they were like, really? You teach at a Baptist college? And I was like, well, if today the state can say you can't get married because you're gay, then tomorrow the state can say you can't get married because, what, you're Christian, you're Baptist, Right. You're whatever. 
And it's not necessarily that I need to convince you or I'm trying to convince you that gay marriage is right or a good thing. It's I don't want the state in the business of deciding who can get married and who can't. Yeah. I I because I don't think that's the role of the state. And the state does a pretty poor job of it. <laughs> and you know, it's like politically I don't understand the mindset that says, Oh, I want government out of my health care. I want government out of I don't trust government to spend my money. I don't trust government to make my medical decisions. I don't trust government, but I trust government to tell me who can get married and who can't. So um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is just to bring it back to the film. I feel like we've emphasized a lot more about the issues that are addressed in mm-hmm. the film. The film as film. Uh, could you pick just like one scene that you thought was very memorable or that really worked for you in terms of the movie as movie or one that didn't work? You know? Um, Oh yeah, and they're actually. I mean, I think as a film, it, mm-hmm. it's incredibly engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that the the filmmakers did a very good job of first of all capturing certain scenes, um, and you know, in document documentary film, I know sometimes that's just blind luck, mm-hmm. uh, but they were very lucky, mm-hmm. um, and and it was put together. You know, there's a good rhythm to the film, and. And, and really, they created a nice narrative that kept me engaged. Um, and, and that was I, you know, very high praise for that. There, you, you alluded to earlier, there is a scene where um, Bishop Robinson has been invited to speak at a local uh, church in London um, outside of the Lambeth Conference. And a young man in the, in the congregation interrupts him in the middle of a prayer and you know, basically just starts shouting him down saying you're a heretic and, you know, all sorts of things. And, you know, that scene was kind of disturbing. Just any kind of disruption like that in a church service is very kind of, well, it's disruptive. It's very disturbing. I, afterwards, mm-hmm. they, uh, they're, they're interviewing Robinson on the patio after it, and he's just visibly shaken by this, which I find odd. You know, you would think, yeah, you know, this guy has been a lightning rod for years, mm-hmm. and yet still, and and he he makes this comment about how you know when you're faced when when evil comes, which you know to use that word for this mm-hmm. young man, I thought was that was very strong, but you know he says sometimes there's nothing you can do, but just stop, absorb it, and move on, mm-hmm. and you know and and you could you could tell he was really struggling to absorb it. I mean to just. And you know that was very powerful. Um, just thinking about you know how do you deal with that kind of anger? Um, and then if I had to pick a, another a second scene, it was you know later in the film, it, the in in the United States in Los Angeles, they are having the general convention, the big vote, and and the, the woman Bush, bishop who is just is weeping at the table. Mm-hmm. And it, it's and, and the way that the convention works is everyone sits at tables and at various points in after they've read a resolution they'll they'll have what they call table time, so they'll give them twenty minutes to talk amongst themselves at your table, and during it she is just absolutely stricken mm-hmm. and weeping over the the pain of this these pulls on her of mm-hmm. I love you. I and it's not I won't. It's I can't. It's, it's that I, I, I cannot. Can't. And, you know, and and part of it is just as as a bishop, you know, understanding the power of her office, mm-hmm. um, 
and what it means for a bishop to say something, mm-hmm. and then the responsibility of saying, as a leader in the church, this has mm-hmm. serious consequences. That and and she fully understands that, and is so torn, and that really affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, partly in a sense as kind of as a kind of representation of kind of where I kind of feel at times, but also just, you know, this was not, this is not a decision that people are taking lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, you know, here's a person who's saying no, and, you know, it's not because she hates anybody. It is, you know, she is just absolutely torn. And I thought that was good film. Yeah. That's interesting that both of those scenes are, are really scenes from on opposite sides. Yes. Uh, but that show, uh, not of the people being confident in making the argument, but in the people of being shaken and being mm-hmm. very, very human. One of the things that, that Mackie Alston said to me when I had interviewed him and I asked him about, you know, the way in which people who voted no were portrayed and that it seemed to me to be different from other uh, gay films um, or gay history films or documentaries. He said, he said, you know, I wanted to make a film that humanized religious people and not just gays and lesbians because I'm both. Mm. And as a Christian, it hurts me the way some Christians are portrayed as being hate-filled and intolerant. Right. And that's not all the Christian people I know. His own father, you know, was a minister who struggled deeply with that issue mm. and struggled deeply to accept him, you know, his own son as a gay and lesbian person. And so the reality is then that I think he, he says that he set out to make a film that portrays people on both sides of the issue as being human, mm-hmm. you know, as being fully human. Right. And I think he was successful. And I think it's that success that ultimately might make the film more powerful and more persuasive than a theological, you know, a theological yeah. argument. And that's why when I separate the film in terms of the theological argument, I'm like, well, maybe I, I wish that the Bishop Dean Robinson would make more of a theological argument because that's his job. Right. You know, that's part of what I think either he's setting out to do or ought to do. That's not necessarily Mackie Austin's job. His job was I set out to humanize these people who are on either side mm-hmm. of a debate and show just how painful it is and just you know the human cost that it's taking on yeah. people on both sides and i think he did his job very very well yeah and you know to go with that just you know very quickly you know when the vote is announced you know in in the conference i was struck well, and, and it was very clear that the the filmmakers were struck and the narrator you know some of the one of the other bishops was very struck you know there really wasn't a triumphalist Oh, we won! Yes, cheering and touchdown all dance, touchdown dance. You know, the 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 results are announced and there's dead silence. Mm-hmm. And for like ten minutes, there's dead silence and prayer, and just everyone is just stays seated. And it just it was like wow that and the 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 bishop who was commenting on it said that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that there's touchdown dances, but usually vote gets announced, the meeting's over, you're gone. Right. Um, as with any meeting, you know. But in this case, the the seriousness of it, the weight of it, this was not just a, a political win. Mm-hmm. It seemed that this was a heavy thing, and then people were really, wow, something happened here. This is big. 
and a very respectful quiet. And yeah. and I, I thought that that's that that was humans being human, um, too. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. It wasn't just humanizing. It's look at this happened. Well, oddly, the equivalent the the only equivalent I could think of in my own life, or the closest equivalent, was after I got married. You know, mm. which was twenty three some years ago, and it's just like your head, you're conscious of the fact that something life-altering just happened. (laughs) Um, But there's also that sort of like, you're not in the movies. You don't have a crescendo of music. You don't have a... And I remember walking with Cindy, my wife, to the sort of receiving line and and kind of looking at her and saying, do you feel any different? And... She was like, no. And, and I was like, no, you know, it hasn't hit, you know, it hasn't hit me yet. Um, and, and there's this sense of which I know everything's different, but I, you know, it's too big to take in right. all at once and express all at once, you know, all at once. Um, yeah. And so that seemed very human. Yeah. I agree did. with you. So that seems like a good place to stop. Okay. Um, thank you for listening to The Thin Place. If you have comments on this episode, please visit our website at www.filmgeekradio.com to leave a comment. Or you can email us at thethinplace at filmgeekradio.com. You can also follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Moorfield or at his blog, onemorefilmblog.com. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!